0: I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, roll roll and crown. Good evening. Sorry for the delay on this video, but having issues today with my computer and not getting things able to go live and... Ah, been not fun. Nonetheless, trying to get this video out uh, hopefully around dinner time, maybe a little after, so hopefully maybe after dinner tonight you guys can sit down with your families uh, and read through Mark chapter 10. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to read through Mark 10. I'm going to try to keep this a little bit shorter than previous videos only because when I upload recorded videos the size is a lot larger and it takes a while so I want to make sure we get this video out uh, and get it uploaded to Facebook in a timely fashion. So, uh, if, you, if this is your first time watching these videos, again, you can go back on our Facebook page or you can go to our website, loveland.church, and you can find out uh, all you need to know, really, about the church, but also you can find previous episodes or f- previous lessons that we've talked about through the book of Matthew, um, through the first uh, nine chapters of Mark now, and, of course, some of the sermons that we've talked about there as well. Uh, also, want to take this opportunity if you have the if you are, are willing and able, please share this video with your friends on, here on Facebook. Um, I see that a lot of people watch the video. That's great, but that view count goes way up when people share it. Uh, that does help more people see uh, see the video and help get into the Bible study with us a little bit. So hopefully, you can do that. All right, let's get into Mark chapter ten. And he left there. Where did he leave? Let's go back to chapter 9. Remember, if scroll back up, he's in Capernaum, Capernaum. That was the last place that we knew he was. So he left, leaves there, goes to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, against his first wife. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. All right. So that's where we get into the conversation about adultery and and how it ties into divorce. Of course, we talked about this a little bit in Matthew chapter 19 when we looked at that reading. But something uh, that I heard when Sarah and I went to the marriage retreat, the Great Smoky Mountain Marriage Retreat put on by the Jacksonville Church of Christ down in uh, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, uh, a couple weekends ago, one of the things we heard down there was a great analogy uh, by uh, Brother Dan Winkler uh, about God creating man and woman and the uh, intent and the purpose of their, their joining together. And the... Uh, metaphor, or the, the, the picture that he painted about this, was um, using a cell phone, okay? Everybody has cell phones today. Um, but cell phones have a technology called Bluetooth. And so if you have Bluetooth headphones, or a Bluetooth earpiece, or uh, an Apple Watch like this, in which uh, it has to connect to and communicate with the phone, they have to be paired together. There has to be a connection that is made. And when they are paired together, they work together. When they are not paired, they don't work. And so the, the whole uh, focus of this is that God created man, and then he created woman as a helper for man uh, in the garden. We'll go back to Genesis and look at that. As he said, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Okay? There's a lot of things that go that are said right there by Jesus that go against what culture is trying to um, Stand for today From the beginning God made them male and female There's No Differentiation there you're born a male. You're a male. You're born a female. You're a female No mistake no changing that. It's how God created us. And a man shall hold fast to his wife. Man, wife. Woman, man, in marriage. Period. That's what the Bible authorizes. That's why, how God created it. We can go throughout the rest of Scripture and we can look at all the other reasons why God created marriage to create godly offspring, um, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? There are, of course, other reasons to help um, forego or help to avoid sexual temptations. Um, you know, Paul talked about that. But the whole point of Jesus' teaching here is that divorce is not something God desires, nor is it something that He wants. Now, if you notice in Mark's account here, you don't see the reason, the only authorized reason for divorce. And that is fornication, sexual immorality, as we saw in Matthew chapter 19. Sorry, I have a corn. Excuse me. Sorry, I had a corn or a popcorn kernel or something floating around there bugging me. The only reason in Matthew 19 that Jesus gives is fornication or adultery or sexual immorality, whatever your translation says. Now, the reason why Jesus gives that is because that is breaking the bond. It's breaking the one flesh. It's tearing apart the flesh. It is a violent action to break apart a marriage. That's why God says he hates divorce in Malachi. He hates divorce in that it is violent. It causes violence on the, on, on the offended party. It causes violence to children. But even in cases of sexual immorality, God desires, just as he does for all men... Not to perish, but to have the opportunity for repentance and reconciliation. And so, while the Bible does lay out that one can divorce for sexual immorality, at the heart of things, God desires for that relationship to remain intact, and for forgiveness, for reconciliation, repentance. The two shall become one. They'll be paired together. Our loyalties are no longer to our, our, our mother and our father, our family. It's now to our wife, to our husband, to the new family that we're beginning. That's where the loyalty, that's where the focus, that's where the love, that's where the communication, that's where the spirituality all gets focused on. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Don't break it apart. And of course, what comes from godly marriages? What comes from marriage in general? Children. Verse 13. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Children. There was a, a famous famous atheist somewhere, I, I don't remember who it was, I wish I'd I wish I'd wrote, written it down, he said that you could take a child, you could take a group of children, you could put them on a deserted island somewhere, give them no books, no connection with culture, you know, feed them, whatever, all of those things, but put them out there, not influenced by parents or culture or anything, but they will find God. An atheist said that. The reason why is because children are naturally drawn to the truth. Children are naturally drawn to God. They see God in nature just as man does. They see God all around them. But the thing about children is that they are humble. They are humble, and for the most part, they're honest. And they seek truth. They want the truth. They don't want to be lied to, just like you don't want them lying to you. They don't want to be lied to either. And when a child hears about when I talk to my children about God and hear them repeat these things to me later, it's because they have a humble spirit. They're not thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about all the things that they have to give up and turn away from in order to follow and believe in God because it's normal for them. That's okay for them. But as children grow up and get older and they, they get into society and in culture, and culture says, oh, God's not real, blah, 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 this and that, they become more influenced by the world if they don't have that strong upbringing in the faith. Now, of course, those who have not been raised in the church and raised to, in the Bible can come to a belief. I'm not saying that's not possible. But for children, it is important to have that godly basis of, of upbringing in the bible so that when they do begin to face the world they understand how to overcome temptation they know who to turn to uh, in those difficult times and that's god and how can that come about marriage one man one woman a loving joined relationship together in god Man should not separate it, because they are one. Now, let's get into the rich young man. And he was setting out on his journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's stop right there. First notice the, uh, the greeting that the man gives. He kneels before Jesus and calls him teacher, recognizes Jesus' authority, his, his knowledge and understanding. And so there's uh, a recognition there. Verse 18, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. But Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life, but many who are first will be last and the last first. You know, the thing about the the rich young ruler, we talked about this in Matthew, is that he didn't get it. You know, he he said, I've kept all these commands, but Jesus said, you know, but there's one thing, Jesus knows the man's heart. Uh, Notice that there's no question asked here. Uh, uh, There's no indication from the man about commandments or anything like that. Uh, He just asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing his heart, knows that the wealth, the possessions is getting in the way. The stuff and things is getting in the way. And Jesus says, you have to be willing to give that up in order to follow me. And the man wasn't willing to do that. He was sorrowful. The important teaching about this is the heart. Who controls or what controls your heart? Is it God? Uh, Is it money? Is it your home? Is it your job? If the answer isn't God, then whatever else your answer is, is an idol. Our focus should not be on our money and our stuff and things. It should be on the one who blessed us with our money and with our stuff and things. That is who gets the thanks. That is who gets the glory. Money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. The disciples said, who then can be saved? If even a rich man can't enter the kingdom of heaven, but, uh, and it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, then how or who can be saved? Jesus said, with man it's not possible, but with God all things are possible. Because it is only God who can detail and dictate how one can get that inheritance. How one can become saved. Man cannot determine that. Man cannot make up some prayer out of their head, write it down on a sheet of paper, make someone say it and say, hey, you're saved. Because that's not what God desires. That's not what God laid out. In his word because with man salvation is impossible it is only through God that it is possible and he has given us the way he has given us the answer he has given us the instruction manual and we know the answers if we are willing to humbly look into them learn them and accept them turn to the kingdom as a child in humility and honesty You ever stop and think about why, as they were on their road on the road going up to Jerusalem, why some were amazed, and those who were following were afraid? What do you think about that? Let me know in the comments on this video what you think about that. That little tidbit that Matt, or Mark adds in there. In James and John, verse thirty five, the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What a bold statement. Whew. Verse 36, And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink you will drink, and with the with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, for it is those who for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus asked them, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? What's Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus often refers to his death as the cup that he is about to drink. Jesus says, You will drink that cup you will die a martyr's death basically the baptism with which he is baptized is the same baptism which they received and that was one of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and Jesus began his earthly ministry from that point and in Acts 2 the Holy Spirit descends down on the disciples on the Apostles and the kingdom begins to spread they begin their ministry And the most important thing that we can take from verse 42 and following here, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Anytime I see someone, an elder or a preacher or or someone who has authority in the church, using that authority or abusing that authority and thinking that they have some kind of a higher authority position than the others that uh, are amongst the flock it hurts me it really does i've seen it happen all too often you see it's not supposed to be that way we're supposed to serve one another whether you're a preacher an elder a deacon or just someone who fil- sits in the pew on sunday morning we are all to serve and love one another Because even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And if Jesus came to serve other people, there's no reason why we shouldn't be as well. Verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples. And a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, uh, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. pretty simple and straightforward there are a couple things here that the blind man does he calls him Jesus son of david a reference to his messianic prophecy he calls him son of david again he calls him rabbi teacher this man had faith he knew that this jesus of nazareth that everybody had been talking about was the son of david was the messiah that was promised And he knew that he was the one that could heal him. He knew that he was the one that could bring about the salvation from his blindness. And so too it is today that Jesus is the only one that can bring about salvation. Whether it be our spiritual blindness, whether it be our eternal blindness, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the light. If you have any questions about this video, feel free to answer or ask them in the questions section. I can come back and answer those a little bit later if, if needed. If not, you can also email us privately if you have any other need uh, or private questions that you'd like to ask. Info at loveland.church is the address that you can uh, send those questions to. Uh, otherwise, I hope you have a great rest of your day and Lord willing and technology willing. Hopefully we can get live tomorrow uh, as we look at uh, Mark chapter 11. Hope you have a great rest of your evening. God bless. I'm going to trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion. robe and crown. The weather...